Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I hope you've been having a wonderful day. Maybe you just got done listening to Susie Larson live. Maybe you're busy making plans for the weekend. Whatever you're doing, thanks for tuning this program in. I love spending time with you, just so you know. All right, uh, Todd Mulliken is in my studio. Uh, I just looked up and noticed, and <laughs> we... <laughs> We are going to talk today about how to have difficult conversations with people we love when they are being difficult. Let me say that again. How to have difficult conversations with people we love when they are being difficult. This is an interesting topic, and I think it's, I'm going to leave it up to Todd to help us navigate our way through this. Todd, I'm guessing, by the way, uh, when you have this conversation, you need to talk when you're both calm. <laughs> That, that would be my guess. I wasn't looking for a laugh there, but I got one. <laughs> oh, or in my field, we call it highly differentiated. What does that mean? Calm, Fancy terms. Calm, regulated. Okay. Empathetic. Understanding okay. ourself in Christ, knowing the other. You know, we're coming, we're bringing that to the situation. But most of the time, difficult situations can just pop up, especially with people we love and we've known for a long time. And they're going through a hard thing, or they're just having a bad day, or they're okay. just in a difficult space. And we're how do we handle that? How do yeah. we navigate that? It happens a lot, so yeah. it's good to talk about. Good. How do you want to do this today? Should I throw some things your way and you respond, or do you want to have an opening monologue? What would you like? Uh, well, I was going to talk a little bit about just things I see recently, okay. and see what see what you think. So, one thing I see a lot recently, Bill, is a. Um, adults who have adult children who are now um, being diagnosed by their adult children as being narcissistic. Does that make Hmm. sense? So there's a lot of that going on. And so how do I handle that as a 50, 60 something parent who has an adult child, adult children I love, who I'm four, I've raised, and they're you know, they're coming back in their young adult life and uh, wanting to um, diagnose me, if you will, or hmm. wanting to, if you will, maybe accuse sounds too strong. Invited or uninvited? Mm. I mean... It, I, yeah, typically, is, you know, it's a great question. Typically, it's invited, you know, uh, sometimes it comes out when there's difficult conversation over the holidays and then they just kind of throw it out. They have been thinking about this from my upbringing and I think you really have these issues. Hmm. Um, and sometimes it comes out like that. Sometimes that person has um, gone through a, a relationship breakup themselves and they're really hurting. And then that makes them kind of go back in their story to remembering other times when they felt hurt. And then from their place of pain, they're almost taking it out hmm. on that parent, if that makes any sense. This doesn't sound productive at all. No. Oh my. So I get a lot of that. And then, so I'm working with the adults who are dealing with that. And how do I then have a difficult 
conversation with somebody that's in a difficult space, right? Mm-hmm. I'm for them. I love them. So how do I listen to uh, something? And I think I've mentioned maybe six, eight months ago when I was on a show here talking about narcissism, that it's really something that's talked about a lot now and really, in my opinion, very like overdiagnosed. Oh, yeah. People are being accused of being a covert or malignant narcissist. And sometimes it's true, but more often than not, it's other things. But the person who's been hurt really kind of feels that and can look up the website and say, yeah, this, these are the things that are going on for sure, and then kind of do their yeah. own diagnosis. So, I'm not surprised that there are careless diagnoses done by people that have not fully researched what it is. You know, we're quick to put people in categories nowadays. Yeah, so true. Oh, you're such a narcissist. Well, what does that mean? And is, are, is that person really a narcissist? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's one thing I see quite a bit of uh, in terms of how to have a difficult conversation when somebody we love is being difficult. And the other one is when it's a couple or a family system where they're, they have a few like patterns they get into, Bill, when they're talking about an in-law issue or a money issue or a parenting issue. Mm-hmm. Or a past hurt issue that happened in their story as a couple, and they kind of, they bump into that again, and feels like they're back in that that kind of that mud again. And most couples have one or two of those. So how do we, you know, just do that better so it doesn't uh, define our week or our month? Does that mm-hmm. make sense? And it, it does. Yeah. And so just learning some tools about how to come towards that and. And realize that, hey, you know, we're in this for the long run. Hey, what matters the most in our life, you know, honestly, is the Great Commission, you know, bringing people to Christ. So with people we love and we care deeply about, how do we just try to do this well? Okay. Todd Mulliken is my guest. You can learn more about Todd at toddmulliken.com. And Todd, I I want to go back to the premise because I want to investigate this premise a little bit. How to have difficult conversations with people we love when they are being difficult, how do we know that we're not being difficult? <laughs> right? Well, part of the way we know is, like, is my headspace in that time, is my mindset for the other? I'm hearing them. Okay, I know my identity's in Christ. I know this is, it seems like they're in a tough space. Boy, I feel kind of accused, or I feel like, oh, boy, I know what my spouse is going to be saying here. So am I kind of going to my assumptions already? Yeah, I know how this is going to go. Or, you know, we've talked about this for, you know, 23 years and here's how it goes. So I already know what he or she's going to say. So I'm, you know, I'm out. You know? Oh, that must uh, be exhausting. Right. So how do I like make sure at least on my side of the street, I'm coming as best as I can with uh, less kind of, uh, and we talked about this before, less false assumptions mm-hmm. and more like, hey, we're in this together. Can we just try it again? Okay. Since it's coming up. As long as you're being that gentle and that loving, because otherwise I'm going, what, do you think you're better than me? Right. Right. Mr. Self-righteous? Yes. Like you have no baggage? Yeah. And so if I'm not going to come off like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm lighting a candle. I'm in a perfect place with Jesus. How are you doing? Right? <laughs> I would hope not. Right. Exactly. Because that's not going to go well. Instead, I'm going to bring forth my humility. I'm going to bring Good. forth like, you know, Proverbs talks about, you know, I'm going to turn away, you know, gentle answer, you know, turns away wrath. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm going to, you know, better see that, you know, is, has self-control than see that take of the city. Right. So I'm, I'm going to do that through the spirit self-control and remain kind of calm 
and and try to listen to understand. And I'm going to do James one nineteen all day long. Yeah, quick to listen, slow to anger, slow to speak. Okay, I get all that, but if our pattern is when we have discussions, our blood pressure both go up, our voices get a little elevated, and now you're showing up with Mr. Calm and Collect and Loving and Gentle. How about I'm getting mad that you're not engaging with me? So if I'm diffuse or I'm detached or yeah. condescending. I got another problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not going like, hey, this hey, is I, complicated. I have an answer for you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have instead like, hey, we're in this together. I'm for you. We've been battling this stuff a lot. Or my kiddo says, hey, you know, I really think you've got these issues, dad or mom, and I'm, I'm really hurt by mm-hmm. it. Let's, let's, I want to hear what you have to say versus, well, wait a minute, aren't you glad I raised you? And, you know, look at what you're doing and I'm not buying this. Yeah. You know, so am I going to create, because that, in my opinion, that's where, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to be with me going, let's, I, I'm supposed to integrate faith versus just kind of leave it at church. I got to mm. integrate it there. Yeah. Right. How am I integrating it? Not so that I'm perfect, but so that I'm vulnerable and, and knowing that God's got it and I'm not, but I'm going to bring that posture of, understanding and empathy. Do you ever suggest, Todd, that what I want to do with you is have a breakthrough conversation, one that doesn't leave us in the same position we've always been, one that doesn't recycle pain, Mm. one that doesn't uh, stir up the same triggers and the same resentments that have been in in our heads forever? How do we get to that breakthrough conversation? I'm just going to say this, see if this lands okay for you. Like, it is... When you are leading out with that statement, yeah, and I'm the one that's listening to yeah. it, I'm going, okay, what, what do you? It's sounds manipulative. What well, does it and sound? it's not your intent, but like, okay, so here's what I want to say: it's like it's easy to say something powerful or difficult than mm-hmm. it is to hear something difficult. Does that make sense? Like, if I'm on the receiving end of this from my spouse that I've known for 34 years, you know, like, okay, what's really going on here? Or yeah, you know what I mean? So I've got to. So what I'm saying to those of us who are being approached by somebody we love and they're in a difficult headspace and they're coming towards us with some ammunition, I'm asking us to to not get defensive. I'm asking us on the receiving end to not light up like a Christmas tree and mm-hmm. let fight or flight kind of kick our tail. But let's know that I'm I'm here to listen because I love you. I raised you, or you know I'm married to you, and I'm really I'm not I'm not sure where this is going, but I want to hear what you have to say. Let's go. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. yeah, Rosie, do you have any thoughts? I mean, don't leave me alone in this room with this man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, I'm taking notes on this side of the microphone. <laughs> Boy, Gary's going to hear a lot when I get home. No, I'm kidding. All right. No. All right. We'll take a little break. We'll come back. Todd Mulliken is my guest. You can learn more about Todd at toddmulliken.com. That's his website. Apparently, he has one. Todd Mulliken, M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N. Did I say that right? <laughs> you did. Amazing. Yeah, good. Yeah. Toddmulliken.com. We'll be right back. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224.
All right, I'm back with Todd Mulliken, and today we're talking about how to have difficult conversations with people we love when they are being difficult. And we're just trying to lay some of the groundwork and and get the uh, rules in place because this is tricky, Todd. I got to admit, you know, I appreciate so far where you've taken us, but um, let's take it to now we, we are face-to-face and we need to have a difficult conversation with someone we love. What's the next step we do? Do we address the tough topic as soon as we can? Well, the, the primary thing I want to kind of have us kind of think about is when we are when they are coming to us because they're in a difficult place, right? They've been hurt by something we've done or they've they're going through something hard and they're taking it out on us or just kind of the examples I brought up, right? Mm-hmm. So how I just want to make sure that we we're doing the best we can when we're on the receiving end of something that's difficult from our loved one okay. that's in a difficult space, right? So I'm asking us to to remain kind of calm and try to seek to understand. What I've seen happen is when that person receives it differently, it kind of disarms the other person a little bit, right? It, it's like, oh, this is different, okay? And it's not like, like you pointed out so well, it's not like now I'm going to kind of be condescending and like pharisaical and like I'm above you because I'm just perfectly calm. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm just like, I, I want to hear what you have to say because sound, you know, so like that adult parent, you know, we have an adult child, and I'm a, an, a, parent, a parent that has an adult child that's really broken from their stuff that happened to them growing up. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of that, at least I do. I see a lot of that in my practice, where kids in their 20s and 30s are in the age of reminiscence, and they're going back, and they're in a tough space themselves, so they're remembering hurtful things that happened to them in their story from their parents. And so how do I do on the receiving end of that if I'm a parent and they're coming towards me? Mm-hmm. Right? I just want to make sure I'm, I'm going to listen first, not defend. I'm going to try to understand and clarify what they're saying and be disarming versus accusatory versus getting the last word in versus uh, I'm still the parent. You still kind of really don't know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So I want to make sure that I'm creating a space that is actually really disarming so much that at some point they might realize that their assumption that I'm a malignant narcissist is actually not true. Okay. Now I'm not going to do that in the first half hour, Mm -hmm. but I'm setting the table that might help their generational pattern. Right. Because I'm seeing a lot of parents being accused of things and sometimes it's right. And, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. Sometimes it's from the kid's own story and what they have been battling themselves. What if the kid has stonewalled their parent? for 10 years or even longer. All of a sudden they show up with a big barrel full of complaints. For sure. And, you know, again, easy easy for me to say, well, let's go to the parable of the lost son. Let's go, right? All right. You know, it's not like the lost son was gone for a week and came back, right? Right. So I I just want to say, I want us to prepare our minds. If if we're in a difficult situation right now where where there's an estrangement, there's tough stuff, I just want to prepare our minds that we, you know, that... I don't want to say kind of God's got this in kind of a dismissive way, but like he's, he's holding us in this right now. And we're enough of the Holy Spirit as our wise counselor, as our guide groaning on, on to the father on our behalf. We're, we're trying to just listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Right? See, what you just said is so meaningful, but it sounds like the two people have agreed upon that. 
at the beginning of the conversation. No, the other person has not, right? Okay, yeah. so they haven't agreed upon that. No, I'm, I'm just bringing that in. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because what I'm, like you said earlier beautifully, like, if I say, hey, what I'd like to do right now, I know you've accused me of being a malignant narcissist, what I'd like to do is, like, take over the conversation very kindly here and say, here are the rules of engagement now. Okay. Right? That's going to come off kind of like, well, here you go, you're manipulating. Yeah, so, right? I would think so too. Right, so instead, I just want to hear... What do you have? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm for you. I love you. What do you? What's going on? We haven't talked in ten years. Um, I'm here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, sure, I'm not going to say I haven't been hurt or something, but I'm going to lead out with that. I'm going to mm-hmm. lead out with let's see what they have to say, because sometimes getting stuff off their chest can help a little bit. And what I've seen is like I've seen people who have have severe like mental health disorders who have been undiagnosed and now. We see it's undiagnosed, it's undiagnosed ADHD or undiagnosed autism, and they're, they're raging, they're hurting, they come back, and the adult, uh, the parent is going, oh my goodness, you know, I'm here, I'm so sorry, mm. uh, I'm for you. Uh, and what I'm doing now is I'm sowing seeds for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm sowing seeds of mastery, of contentment, of a safe space for the rest of their life. So when they go and read another article about who I am, um, eventually they might see that I, I am not that person, but actually the person who broke up with you is that person. That makes sense? So they've gone through a late relationship breakup, sure. let's say, a crushing one, sure. mid-20s, hoping to marry that person. They get crushed, they get brokenhearted. They're in a really difficult space. Mm-hmm. And they come home, if you will, and kind of, you know, take it out on the parent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because maybe some of it kind of reminds them of how they felt in some of the times growing up. Mm-hmm. So I see a ton of that, Bill. And so what I'm just noticing is that when the parent gets kind of less preachy and less dogmatic and more like understanding and, you know, all the fruits of the Spirit, all of the Beatitudes, <laughs> all of that stuff, then we've got a table-setting conversation. Mm-hmm. That might still be a shutdown. They might still leave in a huff because they're still, they just got broken up with. So it's not mm. mean like we have a good conversation, we're all set. But we're sowing seeds and we're going to stay consistent in mm-hmm. how we respond. What if there's a bed of lies that has to be dealt with? Sometimes the kids will show up and they'll be, you know, in their 20s or 30s and they will still be working off a lie. That's not true. Right. Yep. It's maybe the way they saw it, but it's just not true. It wasn't our intent at all, or it isn't true. Or it's not true. Yeah. And then right. how do you, I mean, how do you navigate, how do you get that off the plate? Yeah, you first, that's not your first go-to card. Yeah. Like, hey, gotcha, I heard it, but here's the three things that are wrong with what you're saying, right? So, you know, it's initially, like couples do that all the time, right? We Sometimes what we say in the moment isn't what we mean the rest of our lives, right? So if I'm on the receiving end, like, oh, gotcha there, well, that's wrong. You know, so I, I can't go there yet, yeah. right? I've got it. It doesn't mean I'm codependent. Doesn't mean I'm being abused. It might feel like it in the moment, but I, I'm here to kind of, if you will, take some hits to see what's going on, and make sure I say things like "I see you," "I hear you." Um, it, a couple of these things, I'd love to process with you. Uh, I'm for you. I love you. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry for anything that I've been doing. And we want to get out of the if or the but. You know, the, the but. But here's what really happened, or if you would just look at it this way, you know, mm-hmm. because all of that is invalidating to the person that is in a mindset of pain, right? Now, some people would kind of push back on me and say, no, you're just enabling their process, and now they're just going to, you know, you're giving them a cup of coffee emotionally, and now they're just going to keep barreling on you for 10 yeah. years. And maybe that'll happen, maybe. 
maybe, but I don't see that as much as I, I see. I see the ones that work, the ones that get out of the estrangement club, the ones that heal are the ones when the receiver, the parent, the authority in the home is going to do their part and do their part for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. because they're for their kid for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, I don't see what usually happens in a moment in that first conversation. The parent says, well, here's the two things that you're not right about. And the kid goes, oh, you're right. I never thought about it. We're all set. <laughs> you know, that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So even, uh, you said it beautifully, even if there is some stuff that doesn't make sense, I think in that first volley, in that table setting conversation, it's safe space to, to release stuff and to know they felt heard uh, and validated. And mm-hmm. validate doesn't mean we agree with everything. Yeah. The validating means we are, that's why James didn't say, you know, be quick to have an answer right there. Be, you know, be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Mm. Slow to anger. Yeah. Todd, it reminds me of an interview I did a couple of years ago with one of Ruth and Billy Graham's daughters named Ruth. Her mm. name was Ruth, but they called her Bunny because mom was Ruth and it was an easy way to distinguish mom from daughter, right? Mm. So her name was Bunny and she uh, was going to marry a guy and mom and dad were both against it. Not a fan, not in favor. She did it anyway. And the marriage lasted about a year. And she said, she called her parents and said, I, I, I would love to come home and just be with you for the week. And she knew that she was going to get some pushback, some, you know, fearing I told you so kind of thing. Sure. And she said, I came around the, the curve and my dad was standing in the driveway. Yeah. Just put his arms around Beautiful, her. right? Yeah. Because he, he knew she got hurt. Yeah. Love that. That's a great story. And his posture was not pharisaical. No, it wasn't at all. His posture was the, the parable of lost son. I don't know why I try to tell those stories. <laughs> why do I do that? That was beautiful. Well, I know, but I'm just like, I got to go to break right now. <laughs> oh, I love I got story. more time to uh, kill here. Mm, so mm. good. Talk, yeah. Todd, talk. <laughs> I'm just going to let that land a little bit. <laughs> no, I think that's beautiful. This is so sweet. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, those are the moments we're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the, and the moment happened. Guess what? We didn't, we didn't say, I'm not going to the wedding. I don't approve. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, love you, but we're going to, you know, if I go to the wedding now, that I, that means you, you think I like this guy. Didn't do that. Right. Probably went to the wedding and probably, you know, and so I'm just saying it doesn't mean, hey, every time that happens, but those stories are the stories of the parent being that loving authority that's seeing the brokenness in their kid. Mm-hmm. When the kid is 15 or 35 and is screaming, it usually means they're in pain about something that's going on in their story. All right, we'll take a break. We're talking to Todd Mulliken. He is a counselor and an author and professor. You can learn more about Todd at toddmulliken.com. Today's topic, if you just joined us, is how to have difficult conversations with people we love when they are being difficult. And if you have a question for Todd, the best way to get me that question today is to email it over to bill at myfaithradio.com. Bill at myfaithradio.com. We'll be right back.
It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Welcome. If you just joined me, we're talking to Todd Mulliken, and we're discussing we're discussing how to have difficult conversations with people we love when they are being difficult. That's a dicey topic, and I think Todd did an excellent job doing some uh, laying some some groundwork in the first half hour. So if you did miss that, you're going to want to check it out because I, I thought he did a masterful job of laying the foundation. All right. Now, Todd, offer some more advice, then we'll go to some questions. Um, I know you've got more to say on how to have difficult conversations with people we love when they're being difficult. Yeah, I thought it'd just be good to tell a couple more things. One would be is, so we're in that conversation, it's happening now, uh-huh. and it's not going well, or they are accusing us of something that we're not intending right now in that conversation. That happens a lot. So I'm asking people then in that moment to, when when the, the other person's done kind of airing their stuff and making an accusation even currently about how they're feeling, about what we just said 33 seconds ago, the best we can do there is I just say, hey, I want to stay honest with you about everything because that's who I want to be with you. I'm for you. I love you. Um, my intent when I said that statement was this, and that really, that is my intent, I just wanted to clarify that with you. Does that? How does that land for you when I say that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so does that make sense? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna yes. stay invitational. I'm gonna try to clarify an intention, which doesn't mean I'm defending. Yeah. Or I'm just gonna clarify, just see so you know what my intention was. But then I'm gonna volley it back versus, hey, this is what happened. You know, deal with it. No, I'm yeah. not doing that. I'm gonna, vo- I'm gonna, I got to stay invitational versus being an interrogator. I get it, but I can fire back. You can't, and, you're and not, they will. You're not for me. You don't love me. Yeah, look what you did to me. Yeah, you're not yeah. for me. I, I never felt you were for me. Yeah, and then you let it land, and you just have some quiet, and you look at them, and you look at them, and mm-hmm. say, I love you, I'm for you, I hear you. Mm. I, and pray I, that... That's a start, because then what that happens... Helps. Right, and then, so we're not trying to fix it in the first one. Okay. Right? We're not, it's just... We're we're in this for the long game. We've got to remain. Remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we go to fix it mode. And if we fix it, that means God was in it, right? If it doesn't get fixed, I mean God wasn't not in it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't agree with that. You know, I just see you see you know in the scriptures you see transformation usually happens throughout a lifetime or generations, <laughs> not overnight. Once mm-hmm. in a while, it's overnight, right? Yeah. But more often than not, it's over time. So uh, what I want to do is stay consistent, steadfast, just as the mercies of God are with me in a, in a consistent and steadfast way. I want to stay steadfast in my attitude of understanding, empathy, listening, you know, creating a safe space, clarifying intentions when, I, when they are saying something that what, isn't what I meant to say and try to clarify it. And a lot of what happens now, Bill, is people are accusing everybody of exploiting and manipulating. And, and just so we know, like when somebody's exploiting, it means they have intentionality around it. And if somebody is like a sociopathic narcissist, it means they, they, have, they have premeditated <laughs> doing that. Okay? And more often than not, what happens is people under stress go to their own emotional place of pain that they had as a narcissist growing up. Because usually if somebody is narcissistic, they were bullied and now they're bullying. Okay? And so, and in that moment, they're going to want to win because they never won growing up. And so 
Uh, even if that's, so I want to make sure, even if I'm being accused of some of that, I want to know, like, you know, I'm not going to, my goal isn't to win this right now when I feel accused, you know, you know, and we're trying to be like Jesus, right? And he would ask questions, right? Even when Mm -hmm. he was being accused. So that's what I'm just saying is stay invitational. Yeah. Todd, how come the bullies never want to play by fair rules? Because they weren't played fair with. Right. But don't they want things to be different? Some, once in a while, right? Okay. But I'm saying for the people that, you know, for the people that really have the undiagnosed narcissism stuff, mm-hmm. sure, as I, when I speak on narcissism, sure, there's a, there is a slice of humanity that are narcissistic that grew up with entitlement. They always got their way. They were coddled too much, and they are just entitled. Mm-hmm. And they want what they want, what they want it. They're arrogant. They're haughty. They bring the conversation back to them. They Oof. have excessive need for affirmation. Yeah. But more often than not, the typical narcissist usually was growing up in their own, like, just crazy kitchen emotionally, where there was abuse and violence and scary stuff, or complete, like, silence and nothing. Mm-hmm. And they just repeat that. Yeah. So that's what they know. It doesn't mean they get a pass. But it certainly doesn't mean what they're going to, they're waking up today, you know, hoping to repeat that pattern. They're just, they, they, they got to feel like they got to win. So that's the del- dilemma that narcissistic people have mm-hmm. that needs, and the, the people I've worked with that really are changing that are narcissistic are people that are in the really, 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 really long <laughs> two, three, four, five years of therapy, which is very rare. Usually yeah. they come a time or two and they're out. Okay. But they're just committed to prayer and empathy and changing and understanding and lots of pushback and lots of pushback and lots of pushback. So anyway, I'm just saying, even in those really difficult situations when people are actually narcissistic, sometimes there's a story behind it. Mm -hmm. Todd Mulliken is my guest. You can learn more about Todd at toddmulliken.com. A question that came in from a listener. What if your parents have a non-existent relationship with their parents so much so that you don't have a relationship with them? Perfectly said. That's a generational thing. It isn't is. It? So what I get to do is I get to be the one that at least in my own sphere, in my own place, I'm going to reach out olive branches to the parents that will be like a deer in headlights because mm-hmm. there's no attachment. That parent didn't have an attachment with their with their parent. Right. So they don't know how to attach. They don't know how to have empathy and understanding. So at least this listener is seeing that and I'm guessing the listener is saying, I'm not for repeating that. Well I'm I'm even looking at this question thinking that his parents didn't have a relationship with their parents. Mm-hmm. So much so that what was modeled was now that he doesn't have much of a relationship with them. Correct. Okay, so we understand that. Exactly the same. Okay, good. So what I'm saying is he's noticing that. Yes. Now he's noticing that. He is noticing it. And so that's something that the previous two generations didn't do. (laughs) They didn't notice it and wanted to change something. So that's, I I, I go, boy, I I strongly encourage that person to go like, hey, I I get to whatever my situation is now as I'm moving forward. uh, I get to attach, you know. I get to take the love of Jesus with me and attach to humanity, to the people in my life that I care for. Um, For my parents that don't know how to attach, I'm not going to hold it against them because that's what they saw. I'm going to create boundaries with them. I'm not going to wear their stuff Mm -hmm. and be codependent, but I'm going to move forward with having, you know, seeing, seeing their story. 
And they're st- how they are is not really a surprise based on where they came from, mm-hmm. right? And when that person will see it from their own place of mastery and that God is giving him or her the eyes to see that, wow, look out. Now now what they get to do in their story is maybe shift that a little bit mm-hmm. uh, with, with a loved one, somebody they're partnering with, you know, in their marriage or something, right? Um, they get to attach. They get to say, hey, I don't know how to attach well, but I certainly don't want to repeat that pattern. Mm-hmm. So that, for me as a therapist, that kind of gets me going like, yay. That's good. I mean, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's goodness in that. There's beauty in it. So I love that question. Yeah. What about people who won't even talk to you? Now, let me throw this out, Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not, they're not having conversation. They're not talking to you. At what point do you kind of let it go? I mean, if yeah. if I wake up in the day, every day, and I have $10 of emotional capital to spend, and every day I spend $11 of emotional capital about the person that won't talk to me. Yep. Won't be too long. I'm going to be flat broke. Right. Yep. Well said. And I believe in giving care, not caretaking. Okay. So I can give care, but I can't caretake. Mm -hmm. And the people, so I talk about, in my books, I talk about three boundaries. The first is have an honest conversation. Uh, Obviously that didn't work. Uh, go to loving detachment where I just see them less often, but I try to attach. That's not working. Then I am in that place of separation where, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, because uh, I can't, again, what I was taught my thesis today is what happens when they are actually talking to you, right? When they are talking to you in a very difficult way, how do we handle that? This listener brings up beautifully, well, what happens if they're not even talking to you? Yeah. What do you do with that? What do you do? Yeah, you do those first two, in my opinion, you do those first two moves because you get to. doesn't mean you have to. Yep. But you get to because you're enough in Christ to do that. And doesn't mean you're, you're not going to be defined by what they do, but who you are. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm defined by who I am, not their non-reaction. Um, I, I'm not going to wear it. Uh, and then I'm going to set a boundary. And then maybe there just it won't be a relationship. Then maybe the letting go is full of forgiveness because I see their story. I see where they've been. Letting go is not holding against. Letting go is releasing. Uh, letting go is releasing resentments, as you and I have talked about in the past, and increasing forgiveness. Uh, and I'm doing that because that helps me in my story moving forward. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's there. There is a place for letting go for sure. I get that, Todd. But what if you're not willing to let go because the truth is not on the table? And how do you ever want to walk away from something knowing that the separation is all based? On a lie. Misinformation, misinformation or a lie. Yeah. And so that, that feels terrible. It feels horrible. And that's why you have to go with well, what's actually the truth. Did I do everything I could on my side of the street? Mm-hmm. Did I write them? Did I willing to see a counselor they're seeing? I'm going to their I'm going over to their side of the street and join them because I'm enough in Jesus, let's go. Yeah. What I'm saying is for the person who's saying that, who feels like they're ready to let go because they can't do anything else. I'm always one that says, like, uh, you can have always have empathy, not codependency. Codependency is, is your bank account issue there. Somebody that has 10 bucks and is, is you know, spending 11, it's because they're wearing it. And right? they get nothing in return. Right. And yet they've spent 11. Right. So they're going to be in a deficit very quickly. Right. So I'm going to make sure when I'm mo- when I'm pouring out, yeah. I'm not, I, you know, I'm, I'm giving care because I have enough to give. Uh, I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm not going to like, you know, ex- um, endure abuse or induce, st- in, you know, endure stonewall. I'm going to call it out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a boundary, but I'm certainly not going to be defined by what they do. I mean, be, be defined by who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then what happens is people are defined by what happened to them versus who they are, right? And I'm the person that wanted to, 
I'm grieving. I don't have this. You know, I'm grieving the fact that they haven't talked to me in 15 years. It's mm -hmm. horrible. I've, I'm broken in that. I'm sad. I've learned to accept it in the last stage of grief, but I'm broken in it. It's hurtful. Mm -hmm. And I can't keep pouring out. And, and they're right. They can't. But don't uh, you want to take that $10 of emotional capital and start placing it in other places? We do. We've got to redirect it, you right? Have into what to. we're for. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise we're defined by that. Yeah. You know, and it's easy to be defined by the worst moments versus learning from the worst moments and start being defined by who we're becoming. Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of what I talk about, especially with trauma victims. Like, how do we be defined now by who we're becoming uh, versus what happened to us? Boy, those are good um, comments from listeners. Mm -hmm. Let me deal with this question real quick. Uh, I talk with so many friends who grew up with parents who avoided talking about meaningful topics or complex areas of life. What happened in the 30s to 60s? Was there some generational thing related to the world wars, the Great Depression, post-war wealth, et cetera, that impacted many families in our nation in a similar relational way, creating shallow family relationships? Oh, my gosh. How wonderful is that? That's an amazing that? question. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, and I am just, I'm totally, you know, just throwing this out, I have no idea if this is, you know, completely accurate at all. But, like, I just do know, like, one of the responses in trauma is avoidance and numbing. You know, so when you are in the Great Depression, you are, you know, survival only. Yep. Right? You got your oxygen mask on, and yep. you talk about the 10 and 11 buck thing, you got zip. You, know? you got nothing. And you're just in survival mode. So I'm wondering if that was a piece of the story. Because I think that's a powerful statement. Like, write a thesis about that. That's amazing. No, but that'd be one thing I would just offer off the top of my head. But that's a generational thing. I mean, that, totally. That our parents who went through that, they might have been walking with their feelings a little close to the chest. Totally. Because, you know, yeah. So survival only. Survival right? only. Yeah. Hmm. Love, belonging, connection. You know, time. And I'm wondering if if this uh, listener who just wrote this knew that her parents loved her. Mm. or if they felt, if she felt like she wanted so much more, she never got it. Mm. Be curious. Yeah. All right, let me take a short break. Todd Mulliken is my guest. You can uh, discover Todd at toddmulliken.com. Uh, his website includes his name. I think that's... I think <laughs> oh, that's, my gosh. That, that, that's Just, all yeah. your website is, is your name. <laughs> We're talking about narcissism, <laughs> That's right. It comes out. Finally. It does. It, it took you a while out. to figure it no, out. No, I, I called you on it. You did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. All right. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, Thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. I'm back with Todd Mulliken. And we're uh, talking today about how to have difficult conversations with people we love when they are being difficult. But Todd, I also want to spend our last amount of time here discussing our past because our past is a significant uh, factor in our present. 
So if you would please talk about how we learn from our past instead of being defined by it. Yeah, it's a common theme I talk about with people that I work with that have been through, you know, any kind of level of trauma is uh, how do we learn from the past versus being defined by it? How do we give power to who we're becoming uh, versus giving power to the pain we experienced. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk through the pain we've experienced and really understand it and um, be held by Jesus through it and, and walk through that for sure mm-hmm. and deal with that for sure. And we also then get to decide who we are becoming and what we're running toward, right? So that am I running towards uh, who I am in Christ as I'm moving forward or am I being defined by what happened? Mm-hmm. And so how am I releasing what's happened uh, in a way that's healthy, right? So I have good you know, guardrails and boundaries, but I'm also, in fact, yeah, I don't know if this helps, but I was thinking um, when you were talking, I thought, oh, well, yeah, a few years ago, I was with a, uh, an acquaintance at, a, I know it's hard to believe at a hockey game, right? And um, he was saying, you know, I think um, uh, I, I was dating somebody and um, uh, my mom passed and she didn't grieve very well. She didn't let me grieve with when my mom's passing, right? Didn't and, let him grieve? Yeah. And she was... Like, get over it? Yeah, get over it. Oh, like, wow. Here, what about us kind of thing? Oh, sure. And then she broke up with him. He said, I'm never dating again. I said, oh, what do you think? And he asked what, what I think. A little overcorrection there, wasn't it? Right. And so, but what I think what he spoke to, which is really easy to have happen, Bill, is like, he's he's letting what she did define who he who he is becoming, right? Ooh. And, and you that's know... That's scary. I don't want what she did, which was hurtful and non-empathetic and non-caring. And, so I'm taking and, myself out of the game. Right. So it never happens. Now I'm going to be defined by the hurt I experienced versus defined by who I'm becoming that's and what gonna I'm be for. His, that's going to be his barking dog every morning. Right. Isn't it? Yep. Because the pain is there. Yeah. So I've got, when the pain comes, I got I can't put money into it. I just can't. I can't bank it. Right. I, I can't. It doesn't mean i got to avoid it and deny it and stick my head in the sand. But I, if I'm ruminating on it, I also want to ruminate on where I'm going versus what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me learn. You know, I, I wonder where she was at with that, but I'm so hurt by what she did. Because the truth is, there's a high likelihood that'll never happen again to him. If he dates four more people over mm-hmm. the next two years and falls in love with one of them, let's say, it's highly unlikely that'll happen again. Mm-hmm. And I... And, I, I would love him to be able to be defined by who he's becoming now versus what happened to him. So I see a lot of that with people that have been through, you know, relationship breakups that were just brutal, right? Or uh, trauma from their story that was chronic and unending mm-hmm. and never soothed, right? So mm-hmm. this situation didn't resolve itself, Bill, right? Broken up with, that's it, they're done. Yeah. You know, no kind of coming around and soothing it and closing the loop. Mm-hmm. So it just hangs out there, right? Mm. So now the person's alone with the pain and they ruminate about it at three in the morning. Yeah. And I'm not asking them just to deny it. I'm just saying uh, what I don't want you to do is like, you know, give power to that pain. I would love to have you get power to who you are and what you are for in your story in a healthy companionship, yeah. right? And w- what are my, you know, what am I for so that the fear doesn't immobilize me from from connecting. Mm-hmm. Todd, what if the situation is a business situation where there is mm. an unjust departure? There is something that didn't feel right at all, and it's never going to be made right. You're just going to live with it. That's just going to be part of your permanent record in your mind. 
Yeah. And if it ever comes up in your head, you don't go to a good place. You don't. No. And you start to ruminate once again. So this this moving on can sometimes be incredibly hard unless there is in your heart some resolve. And that's what we're... Because when the trauma trigger comes back, which the body, God has created us to be aware, like I got hit by a truck on 494, I'm going to be careful next time I'm on 494, right? You wouldn't My be body's going to respond, right? If you got hit by a truck on 494. Just thank you, Bill. That'd be it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, you, I would you, drive you, by the Todd Mulligan stain <laughs> on 494. <laughs> so, you know, you're not going to go back there, right? To that place of pain, right? <laughs> no, I, I'd take another route. I'd I've been go, working out. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Okay, know? all right. So... so <laughs> So good. Yeah, I'm not going to be defined. Your body's preparing yourself, right? To Next time I'm dating somebody, something mm-hmm. bad's going to happen. Yeah. Next time, I mean, uh, I started my own business, for sure the next guy or gal's going to, they're going to do something to me. Yeah. So what I want to do when the, when the, when my brain thinks about it again, because the brain, even when you resolve, it doesn't mean, oh, I never think about it again. Yeah. You're going to think about it for the rest of your life. So I'd love to have you, people do is when they are thinking about it, be real and then see the story, see what is true. I always go, don't go what if, go what is. You know, what is true about what happened and mm-hmm. this person's stuff and why they probably did what they did. I may have no idea. Yeah. But that's kind of there. what happened to me, and I'm sad about it, but I, I love the fact that I'm trying something again because I get to do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm being defined by what they did to me. So when I think about it, I get hurt and angry. I go, I, that's the story. Here's what is true about it. Here's what I've resolved with the Holy Spirit about it. Here's what is true. Yeah. Here's what I've come up with. And now I'm also going to think about this. So it doesn't mean you just kind of get over and do a happy dance. Not mm-hmm. at all. Not yeah. At all. I want to go back to the gentleman who lost his mother and then there was this uh, breakup and I'm, I'm wondering what kind of support uh, friends that came alongside him and said mm. okay well maybe she showed her true colors and I mean I, I think there was a certain period that anyone is allowed to grieve the loss of a parent right right so um, maybe that's over in six months maybe six years who knows right so yeah I mean I, I was I felt grateful that he felt safe to talk to me about it Oh, good. And so I was just one person in his story that yeah. just validated that he deserves to love and to be loved. Yeah. Uh, and not to let that prevent him, from, like you say, getting back in the game. Yeah. I would think that that would be a, a, um, a place where you say, I think I was maybe not with the right person. And that's what is true. And that doesn't mean I'm never going to go back into the dating game again, but it just means that that, that was a hurtful end. Maybe I was hopeful, but it, it ended up hurting. And, but I learned something. Yeah. You always learn something. Yeah. And for what it's worth, a new definition of intelligence we have now is not IQ. It is EQ. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, EQ is part of it, but yeah. it's learning from our experiences. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I jumped in. I no, didn't need to good. step on e- you. EQ is perfect. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right, Todd, uh, let's uh, wrap up with some uh, brown paper bag thoughts, th- mm-hmm. things that people can put in a brown paper bag and walk into their house with and then discuss later or look again, look at again. Yeah, ideally, you and I in our prayer time over the next week are maybe thinking about a difficult situation we are in, if we are, with somebody we love. Most people are. Right. I mean, a lot of I people am. are. We all are. Right? We all are. I, I, think I mean, so. I am. You are, right? Right, we can find Rosie, one. Rosie, are you in? Yeah, yeah we can find yes. one. Right. Okay, yeah. So I, what I'm asking us to do ahead of time is kind of pray through that and have the Holy Spirit, just sit with the Holy Spirit with it and hear, just listen and see what we hear and see how we felt loved and counseled and connected with God on that. And then look at, hey, when 
a conversation comes up, I'm going to do my best to be invitational. I'm going to do best to listen well. I'm going to own my stuff if I don't respond well. If I get lit up like a Christmas tree like I have the past 35 times, I'm going to own it, change it, own my side of the street, be a good confessional, mercy-based person. And I'm just for that for the rest of my life with this person who's been difficult that I love. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm for for the rest of my life. I get to do that. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And if I'm stuck with something that is from my past that I feel like I'm really hanging on to, which is, again, very normal to do, how am I also then redirecting and what I'm for moving forward? How have I summarized with the Holy Spirit what is true about what happened to me? And how am I being defined by who I'm becoming versus what happened to me? Mm-hmm. Interesting hour, Todd. I, I, I got to listen to this again. Um, this is a hard topic because I think everybody has got a person that they care about, that they love, that they're either not talking to anymore or they have to have a real authentic conversation and the person that they're going to have that conversation with is very difficult. That's a tall order. That requires a lot of prayer, a lot of taking it to the Lord and a lot of uh, preparation in advance. It is because when we have that that practice with God ahead of time and we see what is happening, we see the other in their story from our own place of empathy, that matters a lot. Yeah. Just seeing the other where they're at yeah. and not wearing what they're saying, not being defined by how it goes, but who we are. Yeah. Todd, thank you so much. You're, Thanks for having me. You're back. awfully tan for June, so um, it concerns me. <laughs> ah! uh, but that's just you. So uh, oh, thank, thank you. I, I thought you worked Thanks harder than that, but that's all right. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> we'll take a break and come back with Dr. Bob Moeller. You're not going to want to miss the next hour. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.